by the way, my name is Michael Crocker, for those of you that came in a little later. And uh, today we're going to talk about this movie, Expelled. Last week we ended a series called Unwrapped, and we kind of had an off Sunday that we wanted to do something a little different. How many of you have seen this movie? Yeah, Dinah Shelley, and you were with me. Um, how, many, how many of you have heard of this movie? Wow, quite a few of you. Okay, yeah. I encourage you to see it. When, when Dinah and I went, and we went with her uh, brother, Daryl, uh, her other brother, Daryl. Um, thank you. Uh, when we went to see this, there were six people in, in the audience. It was packed. So uh, there was room for you. And I have been told uh, recently that it is no longer playing at the Cory. Um, but it is still out at Hebner Oaks, uh, that 24-plex out there over on Hebner. So uh, I encourage you to see it, um, unless after this you're completely bored. Let me tell you what this is about. It's about intelligent design. It's about the fact that there, is, there are forces out there that are trying to silence people that believe in intelligent design. In fact, they take it so far that there are forces and scientists out there who are trying to silence anyone who believes in God and especially the church. This movie is about intelligent design, not necessarily creationism. But let me tell you what intelligent design is. Intelligent design is the belief and is the thought that something started creation. That something with an intelligence started creation. That it wasn't two atoms that were floating along idly by and bam, banged into each other. Actually, they say that could be what it was, but somebody created those two atoms and set them in motion. I'm going to read something to you out of Genesis chapter 1. You might have heard it before. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was empty. A formless mass cloaked in darkness, and the Spirit of God was hovering over its surface. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that it was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. Together they made up one day. God said, let there be space between the waters to separate water from water. And so it was. God made this space to separate the waters above from the waters below, and God called the space sky. This happened on the second day. And God goes on to create a few more things. And at verse 20, it says this. And God said, let the waters swim with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created sea creatures and every sort of fish and every kind of bird. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, let the fish multiply and fill the oceans. Let the birds increase and fill the earth. This all happened on the fifth day. God said, let the earth bring forth every kind of animal, livestock, small animals, and wildlife. And so it was. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to reproduce more of its own kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make people in our own image to be like ourselves. They will be masters over all life, the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the livestock and animals and small animals. So God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself, male and female, he created them. Now this is the creation story. But if you read further, what happens right after this? Another creation story, right? There are two creation stories in the Bible. And they're a little different. 
It's a little different how the story is told, how Moses or the writer, it's different. And so you may ask yourself, what's going on here? See, this isn't the question that scientists are debating. In fact, they won't even enter into a debate with people that believe in intelligent design. They cut them off completely. Expelled is the name of the movie, and there's a reason for it. No intelligence allowed. That actually should be the theme of my life. No intelligence allowed. But what, what happens is the very first guy that you saw in that little short trailer is, is a scientist, a very smart man, a very well-respected man in his field. In fact, he rose to a position at the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C. He was a publisher of papers, of deep thought, of journals, all these things, until he decided to look into ID, they call it, intelligent design. And when he did that, he was fired. When he published a paper on intelligent design, they fired him. And Ben Stein brings this guy out and he goes, well, maybe this is just an anomaly. But then they look at another person. And the second professor, second scientist you saw there was a professor. Her name happens to be Caroline Crocker, which is my sister's name. Um, it, that's not my sister, but it was kind of like, hey, it's my sister, but not as smart. Um, other way around. She was a professor at George Mason University and was a very well-liked professor, did very well, until she spoke about intelligent design, and she was fired. It was at this point in the movie that Daryl goes, wow, they need to get a job at Baylor University. Bam, the next guy they have up there, professor from Baylor University, spoke about intelligent design, was trying to raise money to do research on intelligent design, and was fired. Is no place safe. Intelligent design, what's so scary about it? That's the thing, is what's so scary about intelligent design? What's so scary about the belief that some smart being, some intelligence, created everything? I don't know. But the people that believe in Darwinism and evolution are really adamant about the fact that ID does not exist, and they won't even enter into a debate about it. They shut it down. The funny thing is, Ben Stein, if you know Ben Stein, um, how many of you have seen Ben Stein before? Okay, yeah, Ben Stein is great. He is a super smart guy. He was uh, in a few different um, presidential uh, cabinet. He was a speechwriter for Ford and for Nixon. Take that for what you will. Um, he, was a really, uh, he was a professor for a while. He was also in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Bueller, Bueller, okay. Um, and then he had a game show called Win Ben Stein's Money. He's very well respected as a very intelligent man. And so he said about this whole thing, he's a Jewish guy, and, and, he, and he was like, I, he believes in intelligent design. He's like, I've got to figure this out. Why is this happening? So he sat down with some of the leading Darwinists that are out there, some of the people that are just pushing it out there, and he asked, what's the deal? Well, I mean, how has everything created? And he, and he gets to this one guy, and he says, okay, so everybody kind of believes that there is this one little cell that was able to then multiply. It was a complex cell that was able to multiply and then generate life. Okay, I'm down with you there. Where did the cell come from? And this guy, seriously, one of the guys who, uh, who starts answering this question, I can't think of his name right now, he, uh, and Ben makes a narrative comment, says, this guy is serious when he tells me this. He says that a cell happened to fall upon the back of a crystal. And crystals, as you know, have this uncanny ability to change and stuff. And so the changing properties of that crystal enabled that cell to then change and form life. 
And Ben's like, seriously? <laughs> Guy's like, mm-hmm. And here's my PhD, 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 PhD to prove it. Or so he says. And then he goes to this guy, Dawkins, and you might have heard of Dawkins. He's on CNN a lot. He's on NPR a lot. And he is uh, one of the chief atheist scientists that are out there today who has just written a book called, or recently, uh, The God Delusion. Um, He believes that anyone who believes in God is stupid, and I believe those are his exact words. Um, And so Ben sits him down, and he starts talking to him. He's like, okay, you want... You know, you're supposedly the smart guy. Bring it on, buddy. Um, and they start talking about and getting into this question and answers about intelligent design. And Ben gets to that question again. Okay, the one cell. Okay, where did it come from? Seriously, this is what the guy says. There is another group of people out in the universe somewhere, species of people, that evolved through time, through Darwinistic ways. And got to a point of intelligence, such superior intelligence, that they then came down to earth and planted a seed so that we could then evolve. You hear what this guy just said? Aliens created us. That's what he said. Aliens created us. There isn't, and Ben says, well, that's intelligent design. And the guy's like, well, yes, I guess it is. And Ben said, so basically what you're telling me is intelligent design is okay as long as it's not God. And he says, yes. Yep, it's exactly right. It could be aliens. It could be a crystal. It could be anything. Lightning is another one that came down and ignited some mud that then created humanity. But not God. God didn't spark the lightning. God didn't create those two atoms that came together. God didn't create the crystal. God didn't go through this alien species to send them down the Klingons to then plant, or I guess it would be the Vulcans for the other Star Trekkers, that would then come down to us and ignite life. Couldn't be anybody intelligent like a god. And, I mean, Ben asked him, he goes, well, what about the Hindu gods? Nope. Not a god. And the thing that kind of disturbed me about this was, not the fact that they believed it so adamantly. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, you believe what you want to believe. I know what I believe. I don't know which one of these stories is the case. I don't know if it happened exactly like this. Somebody came up to me after the first service and said, well, you know that once God created day, that everything from that time period was a 24-hour period. Yeah, I don't necessarily believe that because um, God isn't labeled by time like we are. And, and so, okay, whatever. I don't know, but I know that God did it. If God created two atoms that were floating around in space, have you ever thought about what existed before anything existed? Oh, two atoms collide together and then everything starts creation. Okay, great. If that happened, so be it. Francis Collins, who's the head of the Human Genome Project, who's a believer in Jesus Christ, says that evolution exists. He says you can't look at scientific evidence and not agree that evolution is not there. He says that doesn't mean God didn't do it. That doesn't mean that God wasn't the orchestrator of all. So I don't, I don't know how it, was, how it was done. That's a question I may get up in heaven one day and go, how'd you do it, God? I mean, that's going to be low on my list of questions that I want to ask God. But at some point we may get around after, you know, a couple thousand years ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I was meaning to ask you this. How did you create everything? You ever hear the joke about the scientists that discovered the way to create life? And they go to God, and they're like, God, we figured it all out. We know how to create life. And God's like, that's amazing. How do you do it? They said, first, you grab some dirt. He goes, ah, get your own dirt. Wait for it. 
the thing that disturbs me about this, the thing that really got me about this movie was not all the science stuff. It was the fact that we have become exactly what the Darwinist and this one guy in particular wishes us to become. The church, Christianity, we have fallen asleep. Except for the feedback. You're going to wake back up. We're going to watch another video clip right now. If Preston, you got it? I put this together this morning, and so it could be very choppy, but let's watch this next video clip. Biologist P.Z. Myers, who runs the pro-Darwin anti-religion blog Varingula, says science eroded his faith as well. I never hated religion. I found religion quite comfortable, and I liked the people in it. Uh, What led to the atheism was learning more about science, learning more about the natural world, and seeing these horrible conflicts with religion. And it was then, when I discovered evolution, when I discovered Darwinism, that I realized there's this magnificently elegant, stunningly elegant explanation, um, which I didn't quite understand to begin with. When I did understand it, then that finally killed off my remaining religious faith. Religion is is an idea that gives some people comfort, and we don't want to take it away from them. It's like it's like knitting. People like to knit. You know, we're not going to take their knitting needles away. We're not going to take away their churches. Uh, but what we have to do is get get it to a place where religion is treated at the level it should be treated. That is something fun that people get together and do on the weekend, and really doesn't affect their life as much as it has been so far. So. What would the world look like if Dr. Myers got his wish? Greater science literacy, which is going to lead to the erosion of religion. And then we'll get this nice positive feedback mechanism going, where as religion slowly fades away, we get more and more science to replace it. And that will displace more and more religion, which will allow more and more science in. And we'll eventually get to that point where religion has taken that appropriate place as as, a side dish rather than the main course. And if you separate out the ethical message from religion, what have you got left? You got you got a bunch of fairy tales, right? I think that God is about as unlikely as fairies, angels, uh, hobgoblins, etc. Religion, I mean, it's just fantasy, basically. It's completely empty of any explanatory content, and it's evil as well. I love his last comment. Oh, yeah, and it's evil. Okay, seriously. Hobgoblins, fairy tales, like a cell jumping on the back of a crystal is really easy to believe. Aliens coming down from another planet to seed a whole race of people. The thing that struck me about that is P.K. Myers, P.Z. Myers' uh, comments about religion just being fun, getting to a point where it's just something fun. Hey, what do you want to do this weekend? You want to go to a movie? No, that sounds kind of boring. How about you want to go out to eat? Mm. Hey, let's go to church. That'll be fun to do this weekend. But you know, some of you are like, this this isn't really that fun, Michael. (laughs) But you know what? He's kind of right. We've kind of fallen into that. The thing is, he is so afraid of us. Do you sense that? He is so scared of God. He should be. Because one day, oh. What does Jesus say? It would have been better that you never been born, buddy. 
he's so afraid of it. He's like, hopefully science will get to the point where religion just gets smaller and smaller and smaller and becomes a side dish. Just becomes a side dish. Not the main course. But we've kind of fallen into that trap. We've kind of fallen into that thing where we're becoming a side dish more and more and more. Because we're closing ourselves off. Because we're retreating into our religious circles and anyone who's against us, we're going to yell at them and then we're going to run back in and tell us how great we are. The church has been doing that for years and years and years. And we fall into these traps of doing church in a certain way and we say, this is the only way that you can do church and this is the way that will work. And if you do it outside of this box, you're going to burn. And then a few years later and somebody comes up, oh, wait, no, no, this is the way that you do church. This is the only way you do church. And if you do it outside of this box, you're going to burn. Back in the 90s, it was the Willow Creek model, and that was the way to do it. And you did it a certain way, and it was prescribed, and it was programmed, and it was a show, and it was a great show. And it was, everything was about excellence up here and just doing it perfectly. And we started New Heights under that model, and we were doing these things. And, and now people are looking at that and going, well, that's not authentic. That's not who Christ was. That's not who we are. So now there's a movement, and I consider myself part of it, to move beyond that. To move beyond that and just say, look, this is who I am. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I am flawed in so many ways that we do not have time to talk about it. But I'm forgiven, and the grace of Christ rains down on me. And if you want to worship with an organ, outstanding. If you want to worship with drums and guitars and that kind of stuff, great. If you want candles in your worship service, rock on. Liturgy, Get over it, you know, I mean, get all over it if you love that stuff. If that's how you worship God, if that's the way you want to roll, if that's who you are authentically in Jesus Christ, be it. But be that way every day of your life. What scares me about this stuff, what scares me about this movie is the fact that we have fallen to a side dish status. That we come on Sunday mornings and we go, there's God for the week and I will be back next Sunday. Until then, see you later, G-man. And I fall into this trap all the time that I get geared up for Sunday morning and I get so passionate. I'm so on fire and I love it. Last service, I jumped on the altar. I'm not doing it this time because I know I'm going to get in trouble for that. But I I mean, it was just like, I'm so passionate about this stuff. I have got to let people know. But then Monday morning rolls around. I got a lot of stuff on my plate and I got a lot of stuff to do. And sometimes that passion gets put on the side dish level. What Myers wants is happening all over America. It's happening. It's not about science. It's not about creation. It's about God and Jesus Christ. I mean, we can get up here. We can get scientists up here and argue creationism, intelligent design, or whatever, which way. Who cares? St. Augustine said that science asked the question, how? Religion asked the question, why? Okay, let's focus on that one. All science does for me is prove stuff about God. All science does for me is show me how incredible God is. We were fishing yesterday out on the, on the coast, and it's amazing the creativity that God has to create the different species of animals that exist, to create the different areas. If you've ever been to the coast in the flats and seen all that stuff out there, and then you go to the hill country, I mean, come on. God is genius to create two such dramatically different areas so close to one another. And you drive on out to Big Ben and see how God can do the desert thing. And then, if you have children, if you're blessed to have children, if you see children and you've experienced the birth of a child, or the CD apparently is just as great. You know Rachel's going to kill you for that, Ben. 
if you see all the things that have to happen to come together for a child to be born, how can you not believe in God? Aliens came down and planted a seed. you see all those things and you see the existence of God everywhere around you as you look into the eyes of another person knowing that they were lovingly created, how can you not live your life every single day and a moment of that day for God? See, that's the passion I want to have. The passion that will tell this Myers guy what it's about. That's the passion that I want to drive me. When I get up in the morning, I get up in the morning because Jesus Christ died for me so that I could. When I go out to work, I work for Jesus Christ and the glory of God. Sure, that's easy. I'm a pastor. But everyone should be doing that. You're a realtor. You sell the house the best way you can for the glory of God. You're a chef. You cook that meal the best you can because God has given you the freedom to do so. You mow lawns. You mow that lawn as if Jesus Christ was standing right beside you. We have become a side dish and we can no longer be there because people's lives like Mr. Myers are at stake. Somebody needs to sit that boy down and say, listen, son, God exists and he loves you. And even though you have been ticking him off for years, he died for you on the cross. We need to live our lives as if people's lives depended on it. Because they do. And I'm not saying we go out on the street corner and we say, do you know where you're going if you die right now? Sorry, son. That's my child. I'm not saying we do that because I don't think that works. I think people laugh at that. I think people are so jaded by that that they turn off immediately. But also, I don't think it's an undercover thing where you slowly buy water torture, drip, 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 drip until somebody comes to Christ. I think it's somewhere in the middle. You live your life unapologetically for Jesus Christ. Somebody asks you, why are you so happy? Why do you do your job with such, uh, not necessarily skill, because you might not be skilled at it, but such fervor? Why do you work so hard at what you do? Because I believe that I'm doing something a little bigger here. You're not ashamed of it. You're not afraid of it. You're no longer a side dish. You are the main course. It is not just something fun like knitting. Seriously, knitting is what he pulled out of the air to compare church to. It is not just something fun. It is a way of life. It is the main course. And it is not a question about intelligent design, creationism, or evolution. It's a question of life. We need to begin to live our lives with such a passion that no longer will we be expelled. We will be forgiven and accepted as Jesus Christ has done so. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this day, for the gift of life that you have given us. Lord, we thank you so much that you are such a gracious and merciful God, that you are willing to die for us. For even those of us who don't yet believe in you, don't yet know you, you died for us and rose again from the dead so that we might be saved so that we might experience grace and salvation and mercy. Lord, give those of us who know that the strength and the courage to live our lives with such passion that people come to know you. And Lord, those of us that don't know that yet, give us the freedom and the courage to set aside our walls and what the world is telling us to hear your voice. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We pray this in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen.